You're listening to the Running with the Herd podcast, powered up by Herd Nation, a member of the Rivals Network. For the latest information, news, and stories on Marshall University athletics, check out the Running with the Herd podcast. To the right sideline across midfield, Keaton gets a block. Here he goes, 30, 20, 10, to lead Keaton all the way. Touchdown, Thundering Herd. DeWeaver takes the snap, backs up inside the five, flushed out of the pocket. Hodge wraps him up and sacks him. Third sack of the day, third sack of the half for Darius Hodge. Fields the football, rolls left, throws deep downfield for Gaines. He makes the catch left sideline 15 and cuts right. Xavier Gaines across the 10, angles over the five. He's fighting for the goal line. He dives into the end zone. Touchdown, Hurd, and Marshall takes the lead. The give to Knox, goes right, has the first down, breaks the tackle. Over the 10 and 5, Brendan Knox drags an owl over the goal line. He's in. Touchdown, Hurd. Marshall takes the lead with 36 seconds to play. Brendan Knox on a 17-yard run, and what a run it was. Without further ado, the Running with the Herd podcast. Here we are in the Running with the Herd podcast, powered up by Herd Nation, part of the Rivals Network. And I'm here with three awesome gentlemen here, here with a publisher of Herd Nation, Chris McLaughlin, staff writer, Josh Towers, and site moderator, Aaron Perkins. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you, sir. It's awfully, uh, awfully nice introduction. Hey, you know what? I do what I can. You know, I try to make everybody sound as good as possible. It's part of my job, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, this year has been probably the strangest year I can remember, not just in sports, but in life in general. I mean, it's just been nuts due to the uh, pandemic that's been going on. And uh, we have a Kind of a truncated start to the uh, fall camp season with uh, fall camp starting on Friday. And uh, first of all, guys, just to lead it off, uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Chris, um, and then we'll just kind of go to Josh and then Aaron Perkins. Um, just what what do you expect to see from uh, the Marshall Thundering Herd football team with that first practice? <clears throat> I mean, it's a really good question. I think the easy answer is, you know, how the quarterbacks look um, with Isaiah Green no longer with the team. You know, that's that's what Josh and Aaron are going to be looking for and, you know, all of our fans are, are going to want to hear about. Really, it ends and begins with your quarterback. So um, the fact that we don't have any currently on the roster, unless you can't, you know, at least not are currently playing quarterback that have thrown a pass at the Division One level, um, you know, so I, I think I'm interested there. It's an easy way out, but since I won first, I'll take it. All right, Josh, what about you? What are you, uh, what are you looking, uh, what are you looking for as, in terms of that first practice and just everything that's been with everything that's been going on, just, you know, what, what are you looking for, um, in terms of, uh, um, continuity and everything with that first practice? Honestly, man, I'm not real sure what to expect. Um, 
I mean, kind of you kind of touched on it. We're in like a new a new age of football almost with with COVID and and all the the guidelines that are going to be in place and um, it's it's hard to imagine what it's going to look like out there. I mean, I, I don't know how it's going to operate yet. I mean, I'm sure the coaches have a pretty good idea, or, or I hope they do. Um, if it's going to operate, you know, like a normal practice, I mean, I, I don't know what the the social distancing or team distancing, whatever you want to call it, is going to look like. I, mean, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Um, as far as you know, the roster goes. I mean, that's obviously always the first thing I want to look at. Um, you know, guys who are on the roster. Um, you know, there's with us. Um, there's always the the futures aspect of, of who's on the roster and who's not. Um, you know, that's always one of the most talked about things. Um, I'll piggyback off what Chris said. Obviously, the quarterbacks is a hot topic. I mean, the 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 hottest topic, I should say. Um, you know, I think everybody's, you know, locked in on Grant, um, being the starter. Um, you know, I think in, in the years past, I think that's where maybe we as fans and, and, and the media in general have maybe made a mistake and kind of annoyed other kids, uh, or, you know, basically giving them the keys to the kingdom before they were ready. Um, so I don't really want to do that with him. Um, I think he's a different guy, though, than, than a couple of the previous quarterbacks. Um, I think Grant will be able to handle things a little bit differently. Not that I'm saying that he's going to be the starter. Um, you know, obviously, you've got Luke Zaban and, and Eli Zamans as well on campus. Um, so, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, there are a lot of new faces um, up front, um, in the middle especially. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. And then at linebacker, there's a ton of new faces. Um, you know, besides Tavante Beckett, uh, I mean, you're probably looking to try to find, you know, two new starters besides him. Um, so, I mean, it's yeah, just a couple of different spots here and there. Um, but like Chris said, I mean, the quarterback, it begins and ends with that. Right. And uh, Aaron Perkins, we're going to go to you now. And uh, um, obviously there's going to be uh, no fans that will be uh, able to attend practice this year uh, due to restrictions with COVID and such. Um, just kind of piggyback off of what uh, Chris and Josh were saying, just like how different is this going to look? Oh, I think it's definitely going to be different. You know, we're all used to always going there and sitting in the, in the press box with everyone and, and just watching, you know, how they interact with one another and who's, you know, what, which players are going off together. And you can tell who the leaders are usually pretty early. So that, it's going to be, it's going to be different. They're spread out, you know, the media guys are going to be spread out all over the place. The players, I'm interested to see how they are doing it. Are they going to be, is it going to look like a regular practice? Or are they going to be split up a lot more? Are they going to be in smaller groups? And being in smaller groups, is that going to help or is that going to hurt? You know, we've got some young players in some important positions. So if they do split up a little bit more, that might give them more reps. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see who who they pair those quarterbacks up with early on in practices wide receiver-wise. Yeah, um, and that brings me to uh, what I was going to. 
uh, offer as far as, um, you know, what that first practice is going to be and everything. I'm interested to see how um, Grant works with um, the, the new group of with the group of wide receivers. I mean, a lot of the guys off of the 2019 team are back this year. Um, guys like Willie Johnson and Talit Keaton and Artie Henry, who's back from injury and Corey Gamage and those kind of guys. It'll be interesting to see the rapport and the um, working with uh, those guys that um, not only Grant, but Luke and Eli and those guys, it'll be interesting to see how that um, kind of working relationship evolves because they haven't had spring ball. They haven't had um, time to work together. So it'll be really interesting to see how those guys kind of gel and how they kind of uh, coexist in my opinion. I agree also. You know, you're also going to – luckily, again, we've got some really good strong tight ends. And, you know, we've all watched football for a long time. And we always remember, you know, all the the, the old MVP-type quarterbacks always had their security blanket at tight end to go to whenever they needed. And having someone like Xavier Gaines to, to, uh, to make plays from that position is going to be big for whichever quarterback ends up winning the job, assuming it's going to be Grant Wells. You kind of led me into um, my um, next question for all three of you guys. Um, Xavier is probably the most versatile weapon that we've seen in the Marshall offense in quite some time. Um, how many touches do you expect him to get a game? I'm saying anywhere between 10 to 15 is the maximum um, I think he should probably get, but it could be more than that depending on the situation. Josh, I'm going to start with you. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, input do you expect from Xavier Gaines in 2020? Um, I mean, I think you saw a little bit of it last year. Um, you know, I mean, basically touched the ball as a receiver, as a running back, as a quarterback. Um, you know, a, a variety of different ways. Um, I would expect that you would see. Much of the same this year, uh, maybe a, an extended role even, um, just because you, you kind of know what you're getting with him. Um, I've got a little bit of a an you know off off the field relationship with with Xavier. Um, I know he told me a couple months ago, um, uh, you know, before COVID really hit and stuff. I mean, he was up to about two two thirty, um, and he he felt pretty good about that weight. And that's kind of where the, the staff wanted him to be at this year. Um, but I mean, according to him, um, he, he hasn't really lost any of his speed or anything, you know, by gaining that size. I mean, that just that just kind of gives him another option. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, versatility is there for him, and, and speed was always a thing for him. But uh, yeah, him putting on a little bit more size just enables him to be a little bit more of a matchup nightmare for defenses. Um, in uh, in in receiving the ball, you know, yards after the catch, or even rushing the ball out of the backfield. I mean, at 230 pounds, I mean, he'd be you know right there with Brendan Knox as the biggest run, running back we'd have in in the backfield. Um, so it, it, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Coach Cramsey uses him. Um, like I said, I, I just think it, they'll just keep extending and expanding on on his role from 2019. Chris, uh, you know, obviously Xavier came in as a four star. Uh, ranked quarterback. I know that uh, he uh, in the move to tight end, 
uh, it's been pretty seamless for him. I mean, you know, he's uh, kind of picked up the nuances of the position. I know that a lot of fans are uh, kind of um, hoping that he can maybe uh, see a little bit more time behind the center, but I think that uh, his best position is probably split out wide or you know, in that tight end formation so that he does present those matchup nightmares being, you know, too fast for a linebacker and uh, too big for DBs to cover him. Yeah. Um, it's funny with Gaines because, you know, he came in as a pretty highly recruited quarterback. Um, and our fans predictably were upset when he was moved to tight end. They thought it meant the end of his time in Huntington and the coaches didn't know what they were doing. Um, it's funny how sometimes they, they do know what they're doing. And in this case, it, it's worked out really well, but I digress. Um, but yeah, I mean, his best chance to play at the next level is to be split out wide, you know, as a tight end, he's pretty much a prototypical tight end in the NFL now. And I've, I've talked about it with some friends offline. He reminds me very much of Jordan Reed, uh, anyone yeah. who follows the NFL. I'm a big Redskins fan. I guess they're not the Redskins anymore. It's a whole nother podcast we'll do. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but, um, you know, he's, he's had some concussion issues and, um, really his career has gone downhill, but when he was healthy, the guy was absolutely a dynamic receiver. And a lot of people don't know, but he was a quarterback at Florida when he first arrived down in Gainesville. Uh, and he made that Urban Meyer switch, you know, Urban Meyer switched him to tight end pretty early on. Um, you know, Xavier's got to work on his hands a little bit. Um, that's probably the, the one thing I'd, I'd say. Uh, he needs to take to you know take him to the next level as a tight end. He 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 has dropped some balls that would have been big plays. So if he cleans that up a little bit, you know I don't I don't see any reason why he can't have a big year and maybe you know maybe have a chance at a professional career. He's that type of athlete. Yeah, certainly. And uh, when you uh, look at um, how he kind of evolved as a football player from the time he arrived in Huntington as a quarterback transformed himself into a tight end i mean it just goes to show you the just the kind of kid that he is you know because i mean a lot of guys would have just said hey i'm a quarterback you know don't try to change my position and would have taken the easy way out but but he didn't do that so uh credit to him for that as far as uh position groups to look out for um most important positions um heading into this year obviously outside of quarterback which ones do you feel are a strength and which ones do you need to step up? I'm going to go first on this one. I would say the offensive line is a strength for um, the Thundering Herd this year. I mean, when you return four out of five starters back, um, obviously you replace uh, Levi Brown. But when you're looking at how the offensive line was able to win games up front and paved the way for Brendan Knox to run the football and give the quarterback time to throw the ball. Most often than not, Marshall won those games. So I'm going to start with those guys. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's where my mind first went. I don't see how you could really go anywhere else, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, that group – I think in a lot of people's opinions, we only return four of four of our t- five starters, but we return our five best offensive linemen probably. Um, you know, Josh Ball played a lot last year. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have seen he's getting some some draft buzz. Probably, 
probably more so because of how he looks in the uniform than, than how he's actually played. But, you know, he, he came in to Marshall last year. He had a knee injury. The coaches, you know, brought him along really slowly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him um, end up being our best lineman this year. But, you know, inside Kane Madden, who's a former – sorry. <laughs> uh, Kane Madden, who's a you know, former walk-on, who's a really, really good player, a guard. Alex Millette, you know, um, you know, Will Omar, Tariq Adams. It's that's a pretty good group, man. It's as good as a group as I can remember in a long time at Marshall. Um, so yeah, I agree with you there. And you know, another group that I think um, was a strong suit is just probably the running back position. Brendan Knox is just a fantastic college football player. Um, uh, it's been a while since I've seen a guy just continuously move his legs like he does. You know, he just has such great vision. He's not he's not blessed with four four speed or anything like that, but man, he he just you know, talk about a guy that can just carry the ball and get you yards. And then Sheldon Evans is a is a really good backup, you know, and then and then behind him you got guys like Papillon, you know, and um Knowledge McDaniel. So um the running back core is real it's real deep. I'd I'd go there too. All right, Josh. Uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the positions of strength uh, for for the herd and uh, a position group who uh, kind of needs to uh, step more to the forefront, in your opinion. Um, I'll start with the latter. Um, I, mean, I think for Marshall this year, I mean, I think there's two positions that stick out. I mean, one, you know, I kind of touched on it already a little bit uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, uh, just because of the, you know, the uncertainty of who you have there. I mean, I'll say linebacker. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, Tavante Beckett is an all conference type player, but behind him, I mean, you've got a, you know, a couple of young guys, um, you know, you've got the grad transfer, you got um, the Juco transfer. Um, I know the staff really liked what they've seen out of Charlie Gray. Um, they've you know, had some, some high praise for him during summer workouts. Uh, offensively speaking, I think you got to go to the wide receivers. I mean, it seems like forever ago since the last time Marshall's had a thousand yard wide receiver. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. And I mean, but, you know, that was what, six years ago? Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, that's in college football nowadays. I mean, that's forever. So, I mean, I, I think that's the position that you really need to look at. I mean, it. And it's tough to say, you know, we need one guy to do, you know, to be the man. I mean, if we can go out and, and be strong as a group, I'm perfectly okay with that. We don't have to have a thousand yard wide receiver, but you know, I, I want to see, I want to be collectively strong and 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 produce and, and be able to take some of the heat off the, the rushing attack. And I mean, there was a couple games last year that we needed that, and whether it was you know solely on that position or you know the, the combination of you know, quarterback play and, and wide receiver production, you know, who knows exactly, you know, where the, where you can really point fingers and, and probably both ways. But um, I'll say wide receiver. I mean, as far if I'm going to point one position on the football team that I think, you know, we really need – that really needs to step up and, and produce, I'm going to say wide receiver. All right, Aaron. Um, which position, in your opinion um, – needs to step up their game heading into 2020 and which position do you think is is a strength for Marshall we already touched on the line we already touched on the running back group as far as uh being uh positions of strength but uh 
uh, what, what's your what's your take on that? I'm actually going to say the exact same position for both, and it's a position I was talking about a little bit ago, tight end. Um, I think they're a definite strength, uh, but like I was saying earlier, I think they also need to step up even more. So, you know, even though it's a strength with Gaines and Miller, I think uh, Morrell's going to have to step up and play a lot and uh, be, you know, be kind of that be that second quarterback and that second head coach because not only we're lo- are we losing green you know we're losing levi brown at center and you know everybody says that's the second quarterback on the field anyway so i'm going to go with tight end for both answers obviously some good choices there and uh guys we're going to move on to the next part of our um podcast here talking about the schedule uh the schedule um the offseason the uh, out of conference schedule is probably the best schedule that Marshall's ever had, probably the best group of five team there is and has been probably for the last 15 years or so in Boise State coming in to the Joan as well. And then you have the week zero game against East Carolina scheduled for August 29th. And you, of course, have the battle for the bell against Ohio U. Guys, this is probably, like I said, the best schedule in MU history. Does it get played? Does it get altered in any way? Um, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty going on as far as um, whether or not college football will be played in its entirety this year. But we'll start off with you, Chris. You're you're in the heart of uh, uh, what's going on in Washington, D.C., the area, surrounding area. Um, do you think that college football in its entirety will be played this year? You know, honestly, and this, this is not just, you know, taking the easy way out. I, I really don't know. I really hope it it, it, it is played. I, I think it's going to be challenging because there is no bubble like they had in the NHL or NBA. And you've yeah. seen, you know, the, the low testing positive numbers there. Um, you know, I'm a big baseball fan. And I was happy to see baseball not freak out after the Marlins thing. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 had a, they had a contingency plan in place, sort of. They have expanded rosters. Um, you know, I, so that was a good thing because it, it leads me to believe that if and when these players test positive, and they, they will, some of them will, you know, we don't have everyone screaming to shut things down. You know, I think as long as schools mitigate risk, you know, they're being careful as much as possible. Um, you know, I, then, I, then I think there's a good chance to have a season. I, I don't think Pitt's coming to Huntington this year. I really don't. Um, I could see them cutting us a check and saying, sorry, guys. You know, Boise is interesting because as much success as, they, as they've had, they're not a rich program. They're no, just they're not, not, you know, they're, they're, they, you know, our, our buyout with them is fairly large. I don't think they can afford to just cut us a check. So if they don't come, that's something I could see getting rescheduled. We don't have a lot of openings in the near future. I think the last time I looked, the only, the first year we had an opening that would work for both of us in terms of away and home games was 2027. So that would mm-hmm. be kind of a bummer, but you know, the rest of the games, at least the local-ish ones, including OU and ECU, you know, I, I, I'm going 70-30 we play them. Um, 
yeah. as of right now. You know, the next couple of weeks, once once camp opens up and you know other teams are practicing and things like that, um, will tell us a lot. But as of right now, I think yes. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and be positive about it. Right, and Chris, to your point about Boise not being a a rich program, I mean, they were one of the group of five schools that had to cut some of the Olympic sports due to the pandemic. So there's, it's not like they have a just a ton of money just laying around, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's just one of those kinds of deals. Yeah, it just goes to show that the, the, even if a school like Boise, they're at the top of the G5, you know, mountain, and, and, the, and the gap between them and just the run-of-the-mill Big Ten school is just outrageous. You know, like Purdue right. – I'm just thinking of a run in the mill Big Ten team. No, no offense to Purdue, but you know they get like sixty million dollars a year just from TV. You know, it's just it's just crazy. So, anyways, it is, yeah, certainly. Uh, Josh um, Marshall starts out uh, week zero with ECU. Um, ECU had to shut down their football program for a couple of weeks uh, due to a lot of players testing positive. It seems as though. Um, the Pirates football program is uh, back um, on solid ground and is resuming their um, fall uh, practices as well. Do you see that game getting played? And if so, um, what do you what do you think about the rest of the schedule? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said. I thought that game and the rest of the games are going to get played without a question. Uh, two weeks ago, I would have said we were down to about 20%, maybe. Um, yeah. It has progressed. Um, I will say, you know, I mean, I had a conversation today, and it was it was trending re- very positive. I mean, up until, like Chris said, the, the Marlins fiasco, uh, I think something like that – purely because we don't have the bubble type system that, you know, the professional sports do. Uh, I mean, I think that causes a great deal of concern, you know, for schools, for conferences and, and so on and so forth. Um, I don't know. I mean, out of conference games, I'm going to say 50, 50 in conference. I think it's 80, 20. I think we'll play yeah. those games. Um, now, for the life of me, I can't really figure out. You know, I mean, I know this has been discussed a ton on the boards. What's the difference between in-conference and out-of-conference games? I mean, obviously there's some difference there, but – and, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to try to get too political on this because <laughs> I have my own opinion on the whole thing anyways, but I'm not going to, like, put this on blast. But uh, I understand. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Like I said, I'll, I'll say 50, 50 out of conference, 80, 20 in conference. We have ties to Ohio. We have ties to ECU. Um, and just because of, you know, who, who Boise is and, and who Marshall to some point still is in, in terms of the G5 brand. I mean, we have ties to them as well, just because of, you know, in, Albeit our success hasn't been there, I, I still think in, in the national opinion, I, I still think Marshall is 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 to maybe not the the elite level G five, but I mean I still think they're a player there, 
in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, if we go out and win 10 games, I mean, I think we could easily fall back into that, that, that level of, of UCF, Houston's, Boise State's, you know, those types of schools. Um, I, I don't think it would take much for Marshall to get back to that, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, I'll, I, I just think that, uh, you know, some things need to fall in place in order for that to happen. But um, who knows? 2020 could be the start of it. Perkins, uh, obviously, this is a big year for uh, Marshall in terms of the out-of-conference schedule. But also you think of, uh, um, and this is for all of you guys, but um, just, you know, you think about this year and you think about November 14th, 2020, against Middle Tennessee at the Jones. 50 years ago today, or 50 years ago to that day, you know, when the terrible tragedy happened with the plane and Southern Airways Flight 932. I mean, obviously, you know, it would be a big, big, you know, game, you know, you know, because it's the 50th anniversary. Um, you know, this this year means a lot. And, you know, you would have you would hate to see it get canceled. Um, beating Western, you know, they're usually pretty good. So that's a big game. That's, that's a game. That's a game. I always, you know, I always look at, uh, and then, and then FAU, obviously, um, it'll be interesting. I, I, I say what you want about Lane Kiffin, but he was entertaining. You know, he got eyes on the conference and he won quite a bit. So it'll be interesting to see what Willie Taggart does there. But if I had to pick two games, those would be the two, FAU and, and Western Kentucky. Gotcha. Uh, Josh, what uh, what in-conference games stand out to you as far as this season? Um, again, I'll try to probably piggyback off what Chris said. I mean, you know, Western and FAU both have, have kind of been become, I, I guess, rivals um, in, in a sense. Uh, Western especially, you know, just because of what happened in 2014. Um, FAU just in the last couple of years. And even before that, I mean, I mean, they were always a tough out. I mean, even when Cato was here, I mean, we had some tough games with them. Um, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the Florida thing or, or what. But, I mean, even when, like I said, even like when Jarquez, our Jarquez Johnson and those guys were down there, I mean, they were a tough out for us. I mean, in, in 14, if, if Rock doesn't rush for like – 272. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's probably a close game, honestly. I mean, grant you, he did that, but, um, you know, if he doesn't go off, then, you know, I mean, that's a tight game, probably. Um, uh, you know, so, I mean, those two games, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the crash game um, is always, uh, it's always something people circle. I mean, for anyone, I've said this time and time again on, on podcasts and stuff for anybody who's never been to um, the ceremony. I mean, I would always, always urge fans to attend that or, or at least watch online or, or try to be a part of it in any way they can, because I mean, it's, uh, it adds something to being a Marshall fan. Um, it's, uh, it, it hits different, obviously. And yeah. with this year being on, you know, the 50th year, I mean, it'll, I think just take that, that to another level even i mean um that'll probably be an odd feeling for a lot of people um and that, and that's what i you know that's kind of what i think about every 
you know, November 14th um, every year. Um, when we, you know, on that day, and you know, the day close or the game that's closest to it. I mean, that's what I always think about. Just like, you know, what those people people dealt with, and 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 the community dealt with, and 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 really, like I said, where we came from. I mean, it just, uh, like I said, I would always urge people to be part of that best they can. Um, I think it changes you as a Marshall fan. I think it betters you betters you as a Marshall fan, and. Uh, it's obviously it's special to me. I mean, it's it's really special to a lot of people. Um, but you know, those three games for each individual reason, I'll say, you know, probably the three games. If I were circling games, that's the games I'd be looking at. Yeah, I would say probably obviously that game um, closest to the date. I remember Josh. I I saw you down at the. Uh, uh, Louisiana Tech game from uh, last year and to see the guys walk out, you know, of the tunnel arm in arm, you know, that that was something to see. And like I said, I mean, it was just something that really stood out to me as a as a Marshall fan. But uh, speaking of Louisiana Tech, they played them in Ruston this year. So I would say that that's a pretty important game uh, for the herd this year going up against them. I mean, they lose their uh Quarterback, they lose a draft uh, a draftee in, in secondary, but I would say that that's probably a circle type game for uh, Marshall. You know, just to go up, you know, against a solid in conference opponent at their place, and then of course Western Kentucky. I mean, obviously there's a rivalry with them, and a rivalry between our fan base and their fan base, and. It's, it's good, I think, for um, G5 football. I think it's great for Conference USA, and um, I'm looking forward to this year. All right, guys, um, final predictions here. Um, who do you think, name one player on offense and defense, who do you think is going to be the story of camp, one of the big stories coming out of camp when camp is over with? on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Chris, I'll start off with you. Uh, all right. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of good options. Josh and I were talking earlier today, and I'm going to kind of see what's possible answers, but Marshall has a decent history of having senior wide receivers have big years. Um, there's a couple guys that come to mind. DeAndre Reeves is one of them. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say Willie Johnson. You know, he's a guy who's got everything you want in terms of, you know, being an athlete, speed. You know, he's a senior, fifth-year guy. Um, so if I had to pick someone that's sort of a surprise, that, that's my guy there. Um, on defense, a kid I've loved since, since we signed him and I watched his tape. Um, it's Micah Abraham. Um, I know the coaching staff is just in love with the type of kid he is. You know, um, Aaron Perkins at the beginning of this mentioned, you know, you go to practice and you see who the leaders are. I think he's a kid, even though he's a sophomore, who you will see be a leader on the team and drills, getting guys, you know, in line, pay attention, little things like that. Um, so I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, uh, Abraham and I'll go Willie. Okay. Josh, who do you think are going to be the guys that are going to, um, kind of, uh, separate themselves as far as, uh, 
being leaders and as far as being guys that we can count on in the fall um, when camp breaks? Um, for me, I mean, as far as guys, and this is not obviously not the sexy pick here, offensively speaking, um, I'm going to go with Alex Millette on offense. Um, I think, you know, albeit those guys have played a lot of football together, I still think, you know, there has to be a leader up front. Um, and typically that's your center. Um, I don't know that Alex is going to roll over and play center. He might do it on occasion. Um, right this moment, if I, if, if I were guessing, I would say he stays at guard and, and Alex Salguero gets the start. But, you know, we'll see how things play out. Um, but I'm going to take Alex Millette. Um, I just think he's a guy that fits that mold. I mean, he's he's not a guy that, you know, talks a lot. I mean, he's not real flashy by any means. But, I mean, he's, he's always been there. He's been solid. I mean, he started since he was a freshman. Um, I think he's a guy that uh, could help, you know, gel the offensive line. I mean, like I said, they played a lot of football together, but, you know, each year is different. Um, so I'm going to look for him to to really solidify and, and gel the offensive line. Uh, on the defensive side, um, just based off what I saw last year and um, a few on, on occasion, uh, I'm going to go with Derek. Derek Pitts, um, he's a guy that on several occasions last last camp, um, I mean that he flashed. I mean, like just his speed to the ball, um, you know, the plays that he made. I mean, like it was like it was a wow, it was a, a wow factor type play. And I think for him having a full year here in the system, being able to work out and get comfortable with you know kind of what our staff wants to do. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I think he adds a different dimension to our secondary, um, you know, speed-wise. It, it, it's a safety position. I, I don't know. And we've had some guys that were great. I mean, you know, just in recent history, I mean, Malik Gant was an outstanding safety for us. Outstanding. Um, and, and other guys as well. I mean, even, you know, like Chris said, I mean, Micah, last year as a, as a true freshman playing there. I mean, he played really well for, for a 19 year old kid. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, like Chris said, I mean, w does he stay at safety? Does he slide down to cornerback? That's something else to watch in camp, but uh, I'm going to go with Derek Pitts and, and just uh, the speed and athleticism that he brings to the secondary. Okay. All right. Uh, as far as my guys, I'm going to go with a secondary guy for defense. Uh, Stephon, uh, Stephen Gilmore, brother, Stephon's younger brother. I'm going to go with him. I mean, he uh, had some uh, flash plays last year. He had that game-sealing interception against uh, FAU. He had the 100-yard uh, pick six that was called back in uh, the La Tech game. And, uh, you know, he's kind of built himself, you know, into a solid role for Marshall in the secondary. So I think that uh, – He's going to uh, kind of uh, separate himself as one of those leaders for the team. And as far as uh, the offensive side of the ball, I know it's kind of a kind of a cliche pick, but I'm going to go with uh, the QB. I'm going to go with uh, Grant Wells. Uh, I know a lot of uh, the fans on the site, uh, both the paid site and the uh, 
um, other side are uh, thinking about, um, you know, when they saw him play high school ball at GW and, uh, you know, they know that he has a solid arm, a good football IQ, that sort of thing. I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do now that he has um, every chance to go out against East Carolina and be the starter heading into that game. So hopefully he does his thing. Hopefully uh, he transmits uh, that IQ onto the practice field and uh, on the game days and uh, he gets that timing with his receivers, which is the most important thing, especially from a guy that um, wasn't getting any reps last year and, you know, obviously is thrust into a new position. I mean, getting the timing down with the receivers and building a good relationship with the center, whether it's Salguero or Mallette, uh, either one of those guys, you know, is, is very, very important. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Wells can do. One luxury he has is like we've talked about the, the value of experienced offensive line and, a tremendous stable of running backs to turn around and hand the ball off to. So it's not like he's going to get thrust into just, you know, basically thrown in the fire. I mean, he is to a point, but it's not like we're expecting him to go out and throw the ball 40 times a game either. So I, I like Grant a lot. He is a kid who, um, you know, I, I think it's funny that our fans drool over him so much now because when we signed him, I don't think a lot of people were in love with it, to be quite honest with you. Um, I talked to a few – I know a few guys who coach locally in the Huntington area who played against Grant, and they had some real good things to say about him. They said he absolutely, had absolutely no help uh, at GW. He was basically a one-man team, and he still gave them a lot of fits. I think something that's going to surprise people with Grant is how athletic he is. He is not – he's not Alex – well, he, he actually is a little more like Alex Thompson than you may think because Alex – it was pretty effective in the running game. I think Grant's a better athlete and is faster. But the reason I bring up Alex is because, you know, he's not like a – Grant's not a typical, you know, Chase Litton, if you will. You know, he's, he's more athletic than people think. He's going to be able to run the ball um, and, and, and keep that aspect of, of the offense alive. So I, I have a lot of high hopes for Grant. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to a quarterback that is not divisive. Um, both in the locker room and with our fan base. I'm looking forward to, you know, because say what you will about Chase. I think he was a very talented kid, you know, but, you know, he had some issues at Marshall and a lot of people were kind of done with him by the time he left, you know, and, and Isaiah um, didn't really have any issues at Marshall, but, you know, he was a guy who was super polarizing, especially last year. So I'm looking forward to, to, to having a little normalcy at the quarterback position. I think people are going to like what they see from Grant, assuming he wins the position. So, All right, guys. Uh, Chris McLaughlin, Josh Dowers, and Aaron Perkins, thank you very much for joining me here in the podcast. I'm sure we'll do this again before uh, the Week Zero game against East Carolina. That's going to be a really special episode that I'm going to be working on. Thanks, man. All right, fellas. Good talking to you. Music credits for the intro go to Jonathan, the producer. Jonathan Walsh wrote it and produced it in conjunction with Savage Multimedia Group. Game audio is credited to Steve Cotton, Marshall University, and Learfield IMG College. Thanks for listening to the Running with the Herd podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at RWithTheHerd and also at Herd Nation. Also like us on Facebook at Running with the Herd and at Marshall Thundering Herd at Herd Nation. Thanks again and go Herd.